live from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fackish. Access granted. Good people, you have got Jared and Sarah on the line for yet another episode of Fackish. We are live from our state capital up here in Tallahassee, Leon County, and we are here to uh, chop it up for one of the last times this session. Uh, we are looking at about one week left, uh, God willing, so, you know, a lot going on, a lot of balls in the air, but we are here to keep you updated. Sarah, how are you feeling right now? Feeling pretty good. We have seven days until the end of session, knock on wood, hopefully. Uh, this week we had a lot of rural counties that spent their days here in the capital the last week. It was good to see them all out here. And alongside with that, we have bud budget conference beginning this week. And according to the schedule, they need to complete that by Tuesday, May 2nd in order for us to finish on Friday for that 72-hour cooling off period. Yes, we had uh, 27 of our rural counties by my count, which is up from five just a handful of years ago. Uh, so you guys really showed out. That was awesome. And what better time to be here than appropriation season to you know make your presence felt. Perfect time. Yeah, sure is. All right, we're going to get right into things. Uh, one of the hot button issues of the week uh, deals with prevailing wages. House Bill 917. House Bill 917 passed its last House committee, that was House Commerce, earlier this week, and then was on the schedule for today, Friday, uh, but was temporarily postponed because the sponsor of the bill was not around, and so expect to see that one again next week. Uh, we will keep an eye out for it. Just to recap, that bill includes language that would preclude counties from including uh, minimum wage or benefits uh, as a consideration during their procurement processes. Now, the Senate side, uh, Senate Bill 892 by Senator Martin, kept the bill's original intent, which was to exempt salaried professional baseball players, specifically minor league players, out of Florida's minimum wage statutes. That bill does not have the House language uh, that we have considered problematic, and so, you know, these things are trending in different directions, but we're hoping that that Senate language, uh, that they managed to keep it as it was originally intended. And next up, we had two bills that were on the floor today. That was the local occupational licensing bills. And as you all know, this has been one of our top priorities this session. So HB 1383 by Representative Trabolsi passed unanimously on the House floor and SB 1570 local occupational licensing by Senator Hooper was temporarily postponed on second reading and retained on the calendar for next week. You can assume they were waiting on the House version or there might be another reason, but there was an amendment by Representative Trabolsi that passed in House Commerce on Monday that would push back the expiration date on those local occupational programs to July 1st, 2024, which was the language that we were looking for. And it does add a few more job scopes to the exception that it did not have before, like structural carpentry and a local government may continue to offer a license for a veneer including aluminum or vinyl gutters, siding, rooftop painting, coating, and cleaning above three stories in height, fence installation before January 1st, 2021. So there's a couple things that were added into this that were in the Senate version. They're now in similar form. Thanks, Sarah. Another tale of two bills here uh, dealing with agricultural lands. 
House Bill 1343 passed off the House floor just today on Friday. Uh, Just to recap this bill, the House language would preclude counties from levying special assessments on any land classified as agricultural. Uh, FAC has been working this one and got the cure we were kind of looking for to neutralize some of the problematic language in here. the newest language carves out any special assessments that are bonded uh, being used for debt service with any bonds issued before July 1st, 2023. It also clarifies that this pro- prohibition on special assessments does not apply to non-ag structures on the property, whether that's residential or not, as well as those structures curtilage. FAC estimates that uh, these carve-outs might reduce that final fiscal impact of the bill by more than half. The Senate bill does still maintain the original problematic language, which would prevent us from levying these special assessments altogether. Uh, That was about a $24 million price tag for counties on that one, Uh, so that's something we have been opposing. That one is at a standstill at the moment, uh, so we are hoping that they decide to just ride out the the House language um, and we can continue to support that. Uh, One last thing to note on that one, the problematic Senate language can also be found in the Senate tax package now, so they're kind of hedging their bets a little bit on that one, Um, but we're hoping it keeps trending in the right direction. And another big bill that we had moving through the floor this week was SB 346, Public Construction by Senator DeSigley. The House companion for that bill is HB 383 by Representative Griffiths. You, as you know, we've been working on these very hard this session. There's been many amendments that have popped up. The bills have constantly changed. Amendments withdraws. In its current form, though, the bill defines a public works project as an activity that is paid for with any state appropriated funds, deleting any dollar threshold entirely. The bill in the past had the local dollar amount, local appropriated funds. You weren't allowed to use those with the public works project. So we got that out of the bill. The bill is just the state appropriated projects at this point. And it also includes punch list items for a local government under contract. The House version did have a another prevailing wage amendment on it affecting public works contract projects however that amendment was withdrawn we're closely watching that and it it wasn't heard this week so we will see what happens with that bill it is now waiting on that house companion though thanks sarah uh one problematic preemption that we have got heading to the governor's desk unfortunately is hb 1417 that's residential tenancies by representative esposito this bill would preempt every facet of the landlord-tenant relationship to the state. Uh, So that, you know, potentially puts in jeopardy a lot of the tenant bills of rights around the state, as well as notice requirements that a handful of local governments have on the books. And next up, we have the big comprehensive plan legislation that is SB 1604, Land Use and Development Regulations by Senator Ingolia. That passed on the Senate floor with a vote of 27 to 13. The bill retains the language regarding the increased length of required planning periods from a 10-year period and a 20-year period. 
the bill precludes an independent special district from complying with the terms of any development agreement. So this language is specifically relating to Disney as their independent special district, and they use this bill as a vehicle for that. As you'll recall, we had problems with Section 3 in the bill that would remove local government's power and ability to require certain building building design elements in single-use family or two-family dwellings located in a PUD or MPC. There was an amendment by Senator Stewart on the floor that was adopted that would make this preemption prospective so local governments can require those building design elements in these communities before july 1st 2023 so this ability will not be allowed prospectively moving forward the house companion which is hb 439 land use and development regulations by representative mcclain waits to be heard on the house floor they are in different forms there's a couple things in the house bill that is not in the senate bill including the amendment that was just adopted by Senator Stewart. So we will see what happens with that bill next week. We We saw SB 714 dealing with vacation rentals pass off the floor on Thursday. Uh, In addition, we've got the House Bill, House Bill H, House Bill 833 uh, also looming, although it looks like the Senate version is moving more at the moment. A uh, lot to unpack with this one. They've both kind of gotten a new look recently. Uh, so just to take you through a couple of the latest provisions, the bills would preempt the licensing of public lodging and food service establishments to the state that does include vacation rentals, as well as the regulation of advertising platforms to the state. Uh, it does authorize counties to establish a registration program for these vacation rental properties within their jurisdiction uh, and allows them to charge a nominal fee for registration. Now, initially, we uh, initially we felt that these fees were relatively low Uh, so to speak, but the recent amendments have raised the caps of these registration fees to $150 for an individual registration or $200 for a collective one. Uh, One note, the Senate language limits a collective registration to 25 units. Both bills these days would also allow counties to revoke or deny a registration uh, for a handful of reasons, including unsatisfied county or municipal liens on the property, uh, as long as the county gives the property owner a 60-day period to cure that lien. Uh, Additionally, they have a little bit of a distinction here. The Senate language would allow termination of the registration for three or more violations of local law or regulations. The House version sets that threshold at two violations. Uh, So just slight difference there, uh, but something to be aware of. And next up, we have a bill that has been in our platform for many years, and that is the public records exemption for county attorneys. This week, that passed unanimously on the Senate floor, which in past years, it hasn't gotten through committees. So that is a big change this year. Remember, the bill creates a public records exemption for the personal information of current county attorneys, deputy county attorneys, assistant county attorneys, and then as well as city attorneys, deputy city, assistant city attorneys. The House bill, however, HB 525, still waits to be heard in its second committee, House Ethics, Elections, and Open Government Subcommittee. We can assume that that is not meeting the last week of session here. So, We will see what happens with that bill this year, but we can say it made it through the Senate this year. 
And something to be cautiously optimistic about going forward is the term limits issue that we have been following for a while now. Uh, The Senate Rules Committee actually took up the House language, that's HB 477, uh, which does not include term limits for county commissioners, only includes the term limit provision for district school board members. Uh, So this thing is trending in the right direction, but you know, this has been a dogfight all session, obviously. And so we're kind of keeping our head on a swivel going forward, uh, hoping that, you know, that county commissioner language does not pop up again next week. And, you know, even if it doesn't, that's, that's a minor victory, obviously, but this is something they could easily circle back to next year. So moving forward, we are cautiously optimistic. All right. And in the environmental world, we had SB 1632 Environmental Protection by Senator Broder. It was heard in its last committee, Senate Fiscal Policy, and passed. The bill was placed on special order calendar to be heard next week on May 2nd. And the House Companion, HB 1379, passed unanimously on the House floor this week. The House version was actually referred to Senate fiscal policy, meaning the House bill will now be heard in the Senate and we can maybe presume on the floor with that house version. The bills are the Department of Environmental Protection overhaul this session. The bill makes significant changes to the on-site sewage treatments process, changes to the wastewater grant programs, update to the comprehensive plan capital improvement elements, and establishes the Indian River Lagoon Protection Program. The Senate version had an amendment this week that created an environmental licensing process review, and there were some amendments that matched a few things up with the House and Senate version. Again, it will be interesting to see which version they take as the Senate version is placed on the calendar for next week, and then the House version was referred to a Senate committee. And the Senate E911 bill, that's SB 1418, passed off the floor today in the Senate, heads to the House now, and it also got a new look this week with some amendment language tacked on there. Uh, Just to recap, that bill would revise the composition of the E911 Systems Board. The makeup of the board as it stands in current statute is 10 appointees, five of which are county folks. Uh, This would cut that to eight appointees by the governor uh, and four county representatives. In addition, it would raise the distribution rates of fees collected on wireless service providers uh, going to counties from 76% to 95%. Uh, Obviously that sounds good. What we're hearing is that they're simply just codifying what we've been seeing in practice for a while now, which is that counties have been receiving a, you know, overwhelmingly significant proportion of those distributions thus far. So this is just codifying that. Latest amendment language would require that any changes or modifications to a local emergency communication system must be made in coordination with the head of public safety agency or their designee serving that primary PSAP uh, within the county. So in other words, it must be kind of run up the ladder with local law enforcement uh, before any expenditures are made. Okay, and next up in the ag and rural worlds, we have all of the rural and economic development bills that we have been following this session. All of them are up this week. HB 1209 by Representative Shove passed off the House floor this week. That bill was referred to Senate Fiscal Policy Committee. 
SB 1664 Economic Development by, by Senator Hooper and SB 1482 Rural Development by Senator Simon both passed unanimously in their last committee stop Senate fiscal policy on Monday. The Senator Simon Bill SB 1482 was placed on the special order calendar for next week. And SB 1664 made some pretty big changes that I wanted to mention. It is now seeming to match up with House Bill 5 economic programs by Representative Esposito that eliminates Enterprise Florida. So that bill is now taking on that language and a couple other things. There was a few amendments on Senator Simon's bill, but those are moving through pretty quickly here. And we will see what happens with them next week. And the House amended SB 250 this week. Uh, that's dealing with natural emergencies. There's a handful of, you know, post-disaster guidelines within this, you know, comprehensive package. Uh, the Senate has already passed it. The House amended it and is now sending it back to the Senate this week uh, with some minor tweaks. The bill provides that counties and municipalities may not prohibit the placement of a temporary shelter following a declared state of natural emergency. Uh, that declared language is something FACT was fighting for so that you know there's no ambiguity there uh, to leave things up to the imagination. <laughs> um, the bill would also prohibit a county within 100 miles of the landfall area of Hurricanes Ian or Nicole from adopting more restrictive comp plan amendments or land use regulations than those allowed in statute. And among other things, the bill also creates the Emergency Bridge Revolving Loan Fund. Um, this is something that was already in statute. However, they change it to a revolving loan fund so that it's not subject to appropriation each year and just kind of continues to pay for itself. This can be used by local governments for, you know, keeping the lights on, so to speak, after a natural disaster. And last but not least, the Senate Appropriations Committee, that was the last committee of reference, passed the Senate tax package this year. It now heads to the Senate floor. Uh, this has a handful of tax holidays that equated to about $80 million of impact for uh, counties. More importantly, uh, there are two sections that FAC has been opposing throughout this cycle. Uh, number one, as I mentioned earlier, it includes the ag land preemption within SB 1184, uh, preempting counties from levying special assessments on land classified as agricultural. In addition to that, it includes language from Senator Angolia's uh, bill that would require any local tax referenda to coincide with a general election and limits counties from holding these referenda more than once every 48 months. Uh, so obviously, you know, the tax package is more or less a done deal at large, uh, but we're kind of trying to, you know, dissect here and, and surgically remove these, you know, minor provisions that we have a problem with. Uh, so look for that going forward. And that wraps up this week. We've got one more week left. Lots to look forward to. Again, amendments are flying. We are on our toes. We are in this fight You'll recall that our final report will come out at the end of session, which goes over every single bill that has passed, every single bill that has failed. So to see that comprehensive bill report, look for that on our website coming soon, and it will be sent to you via email as well and a final podcast episode. Thanks, Sarah, and thanks for tuning in, everybody. Sarah, would you like to bring us home? 
of course, can never forget this. Little Teddy Roosevelt for your night. It's not the critic who counts, not the person who points out how the strong person stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. And thank you all for being with us this year and supporting us and, you know, helping us through these bills. It's been a fun one. Everybody have a good weekend and see y'all next week.